You're listening to the God Center Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom of four young boys, I know motherhood's hard. But sometimes I think I make it harder than it needs to be by putting myself in the center of things or even my kids. I forget to place God there and be led by His Spirit. I also tend to forget that I'm surrounded by God. He goes before me, He walks with me on the hard days, and He comes behind me when I make a mistake. So each week I'll interview someone new and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. Hey y'all, welcome to the God-Centered Mom Podcast. And I don't know about you, but I personally have been loving podcasting and I hope you have enjoyed listening. I've gotten some great just feedback from friends and family, of course, but I think they kind of like me and they're just really great encouragers. But I, I, I'm kind of thinking this is a fun thing. It's great to be able to do some chores that for me, I don't enjoy grocery shopping so much. And I like to listen to some of my friends, Kat Lee, Inspired Action, and Trisha Goyers, uh, Living Inspired. I guess I like to be inspired. Um, I like to listen to their podcasts while I'm grocery shopping. And I just like don't mind the task as much when I know that my mind is going to be filled with interesting stories or uh, inspiration. So I hope I hope that the God Center Mom podcast has been a blessing to you, that the guests that I brought on, just some wonderful women and a couple men that I enjoy, um, that you've enjoyed them as well. And okay, so this is where it gets to the tricky part. I've never been a good salesperson. Like I've tried direct sales before and just can't do it. But indirect sales, like I can sell a song or I could sell you on a good book. So here's my indirect sales pitch. It will not cost you a dime. If you've enjoyed listening to the God Center Mom podcast, do you mind heading over to iTunes and just leaving a review um, or a rating? If you haven't enjoyed it, just ignore this message completely. But if you if you have enjoyed it, if you leave an iTunes review, iTunes is kind of like Google and like everything else. The more people like it, the more those podcasts rise to the top and other moms can find it. And I'm always amazed. I kind of love the internet and podcasting for this reason, how once something is created, it's kind of out there and God can use it in any way he sees fit. And his Holy Spirit can guide someone to listen or read something that will draw them back to him. And I just am humbled by the chance to be a part of his work in that way. So having these podcasts out there, that's like one more way he can be glorified through the work he's done in different people's lives and how we just can rely on him more and more. And so I just, if if there's any way that a woman out there who is struggling in her mothering or in her life or in her marriage, if she found this and was encouraged and sought God in that, just because you left a review, that would be fabulous. So anyway, there's my little pitch. That's all I've got for that. Um, okay, so this week I'm doing something different. And you may or may not have noticed that I did not publish a podcast um, last Monday, but that was because I just had a very full week um, of super fun family time and friend time. And I'm just really trying to make that be the priority. Um, in my mind, if you fill up with family and friends, 
you'll have a place to pour out into your ministry. But if ministry takes over and I say no to family because I have to minister, that that's not really honoring God in my first ministry. So I know y'all will forgive me and hopefully it gave you a chance to catch up. Um, if you've been listening, maybe you've, I have one friend, she's hilarious. She cracks me up. She's like, you know, I have to go in order. I cannot skip around. And she like had this major confession where she confessed that she skipped one just because she wanted to hear, um, one of our friends interviews. So Anyway, so maybe not having a podcast last week was helpful to you if you are a rule follower and you are going in order and you just don't have time to listen to an entire podcast every week. So all that to say, I do have a podcast this week, but I don't have a guest. It will just be me chatting to you like we're sitting across the table or maybe I'm walking with you in the grocery store. Don't forget to get... Um, let's see, what should you not forget to get? Uh, don't forget to get eggs. I always forget eggs. Anywho, uh, so the reason I'm podcasting by myself is I attended a seminar a few weeks ago that our school put on, and it was the director of our lower school, Carol Chester, gave a little talk about temperaments, which have been around forever. Temperaments have been around forever. People have talked about them. Um, this is not a new thing. In fact, I did a little advanced research. Okay, maybe not so advanced. Wikipedia, uh, and found that Hippocrates even was talking about the four temperaments back in the day. So, uh, it's been around. There's criticisms for the four temperaments. Lots of opinions. I think if you did research, you you know, you could just go crazy with information. But um, Carol used two different resources: Wired That Way by Marietta Litauer and personality plus by florence litauer and i'll put those links on the show notes and there's just lots of opinions about this like i said lots of different terms people use Um, even gary smalley more recently came up with more modern terms um, beavers and lions and golden retrievers and otters i remember my mom using the words melancholy and choleric and pragmatic and all of those growing up but you know taking the time to sit and really, as she spoke, think of each of my kids, helped me out tremendously. I was amazed when I came home how I could see them differently in areas that are a little frustrating where they, you know, I just want to yell, stop it, just stop it. That her little lecture helped me see that frustration, frustrating area less as a, just something I want to get rid of and stomp out, but more of a okay, how can I help them grow? And why is this frustrating me? And how are we rubbing each other wrong? How is my temperament and their temperament at odds in this situation? And it's just, maybe it's just always going to be. Maybe it's just part of who they are and we need to be creative in how we get around it. Or maybe it's a character thing and in a patient, not yelling stop it, way I can help that son develop character in that area. Anywho, but it's a lot of information and I've been wanting to write a blog post about it, but it just, every time I sat down to start writing it, it just felt like so many words. And I thought, no one's going to sit here and read all this. I mean, it's just, so I got this idea that I would use the podcast to share this temperament information with you. So 
one disclaimer, I'm not a psychologist. I don't even play one on TV. So this is just um, fun information, like a friend sharing information with a friend that she just heard. So take it for that. And if you're already uber duper familiar with the temperaments, there's still something there for you because... I'm going to start off and I'm just going to describe the four temperaments. I am, after each one, going to give you a little tidbit that that Carol shared with us on how to help as a parent with that specific type. And then at the end, I'm going to go into, you know, what your temperament is and how you, if if you're a choleric, can best help a child and go through all the different temperaments a choleric parent might have to parent. Does that make sense? So like, how does a choleric parent help a melancholy child? How does a choleric parent, and go through all of that. So it's just like, a lot of information. I'm gonna create printables that will be on the blog. So if you go to godcentermom.com, you can even pause right now if you're home and you could print it off. So you have, if you're visual, you might wanna look at that. If not, you can look at it later. And at one point, you know, I might even have you know, you take a second and think of each of your children so you can really focus on that. And I know I was sitting through there and I was sitting thinking of my husband, I was thinking of me. It's just like we have this whole team of people. And in my house, that's like six different personalities all coming together. And God wants us like, like the body of Christ is really, I mean, we're our own little church here. <laughs> he wants us to work together. And when just a difference of seeing the world and how we each function gets in the way of our working together, I think that that doesn't honor God. So if there's anything I can do by educating myself about our functioning and that that will help us work as a better team, I'm all for that. So hopefully my goal um, and a little caveat, caution, is my goal is not to give you labels to pigeonhole your kids. Oh, of course he just did that. That's because he's a choleric or whatever. My goal is function and help and assisting you as a parent to have your frustration level lower, your success rate higher, and your relationship to flourish with your child instead of butting heads in every situation or thinking that you're parenting them wrong because of they may have a messy room or because they don't keep their backpack organized. Just, you know, not letting it be something you let go. Oh, that's because he's melancholy. He's, you know, or that's because he's a sanguine. Sanguines aren't organized. So it's okay if he's not. Or I mean, I think that using this information as like one of the tools in your toolbox, that's my goal. So now that I took like 40,000 minutes to intro that, let's get going. Um... I've thrown the word out there several times, but the first group I was going to talk about are the cholerics. And if they had a motto, their motto would be, let's do it my way. I, I, I can get this group. I kind of understand this group. They desire control. They Their strength is that they'll take charge. And typically, if, if they have to make a judgment, they're pretty quick about it and usually correct. Um, their weakness is that they may be too bossy and insensitive and um, if you were going to take all the Winnie, Pooh, Winnie the Pooh characters and divide them up into these categories, think of Rabbit. Rabbit's the one who's like totally in control and he likes things just so. And, but he can be a little bossy, a little, a little tough to get, to get along with. 
Um, if you have a child who's a cleric, they're going to need to know that they have to obey you. Otherwise, they're going to take over. Um, there's kind of be an authority struggle. So from the get-go, they're going to need to know that, you know, even if they don't want to listen, the way that God intended is that we, the parents listen to God and obey God. They, they obey God, but they also have to obey their parents. Um, cholerics tend to be drawn to people who will support them and submit to them. I also think of like an oldest child who may be the one kind of directing the show and they like having younger siblings or cousins or friends that will go along with it. <laughs> so um, that's going to be the choleric. They may be the ones who argue with you. Uh, if they get stressed, they may even tighten control. Like if they're in a stressful situation, you may see them fighting back even harder. Um, but they may also work harder as they get to be teenagers when they get stressed. Um, one thing uh, as a parent to help them is to give them choices. And I have a background in speech language pathology, so I've kind of always been a choice giver. I think sometimes to a fault, but I think I found with my choleric sons that the ones that are, they will, I will give them, okay, do you want milk or water? And they'll say, juice. <laughs> oh, so I asked Carol Chester, I said, what about the kids who give the third choice when you offer choices? And she's like, yes, that would definitely be the cholerics. Um, they even want to take control of the choices. So just really making sure you are firm on the, no, your choices are milk or water. Uh, and I think, you know, another thing that she, she suggested is telling them one day you will get to make all the decisions. I think that just kind of gives them a little relief. Like it's hard right now to be the kid and not get to make all the choices, but someday Someday, you don't, want to, you don't want to squash it. Someday they will get to make all the decisions. Uh, and she also mentioned as a teenager, they, these are the kids that will be really good working with a charity and getting them organized and getting everyone on board and taking charge. And um, one of the things she mentioned was uh, you may need to work with them on their character regarding playing games and sports to finish a game even if they're losing. Um, they may be the one who want to, ones who want to tosh candy land in the air because they – just got plumpy or whatever. So I can't remember plumpy the plum. What is that character? The very takes you all the way back to the beginning. So those are the clerics, our rabbits from Winnie the Pooh. And the next group is the melancholies and they're the perfect melancholies. Their motto would be let's do it the right way. They are drawn to ideals and they may be more creative. Um, they may be more organized. They set goals. They have high standards. Their weaknesses, though, would be that they would get depressed more easily. They're a little too focused on details. They they remember those negative things. So they're going to crave and need stability. They're going to need the routine and the order. And, the, and they're also going to need support. Um, they tend to be drawn towards more deep, serious, intellectual thinkers, people who will who will talk through the things that they enjoy talking through. Uh, she mentioned that these, the melancholies tend to be great teenagers, I guess more on the rebellious side. They're less likely to be rebellious because they're going to want to do it right. Um, 
if they get stressed, they do, like I mentioned, get depressed and they tend to recount their problems. So as parents of melancholies, she, she suggested, you know, really listening to them as they list off those problems from their day. They kind of need to get that out and be heard. But then to push them in character and to help them, you may be, need to then say, okay, now tell me one good thing that happened today. You may, as the parent, need to remind them there was good in your day. Tell me what it was. And, and also speak scripture over them. All things work together for good to those who love God. Um, like I mentioned, they're going to need a schedule and parameters. They're going to need to know why um, things happen. They're going to need to know that you care. And one thing I thought that was interesting, she mentioned, they're going to need their own space that they know is theirs where they can keep their things. I've, I've seen that in some of my boys. They, they kind of need to know that no one's going to mess. <laughs> There's so many people in our home, and especially having Knox, the toddler, they need to know that he's not going to mess up their, their, their stuff. And it really upsets them if they've worked hard on something and it gets messed up. And I have other boys who don't really care. They don't have that kind of firm boundary on their things. So that's the, so we've done cholerics, we've done melancholies. Um, now the third group is the peaceful phlegmatics. And their motto would be, oh, I didn't tell you. Hold on a second. The melancholy e. Uh, Winnie the Pooh character would be Eeyore, which, I don't know, poor Eeyore. He gets a bad rap just because he has the voice that sounds so sad. But he is such a sweet, loyal guy. I love Eeyore. Anyway. All right, so the next group is the Peaceful Phlegmatics, and their motto would be do it the easy way. They want to keep the peace. Their strengths are they're very balanced. They have a dry sense of humor. They're pleasing. Um, they're not going to be the squeaky wheel. They're not. Um, their weaknesses may be that because they're so easygoing most of the time, you may not see that there's a hidden will of iron <laughs> under all of that. Like push comes to shove, they get to that point and they're not budging. They also may lack energy. They may need some boosts to get going. Um, but they, even though they may not seem like it, they need respect. They need to feel worthy and they need to feel understood. And they're going to they're gonna be drawn towards people who make decisions for them. Not They don't want to be ignored. Um, they want people who give them attention and respect, like I said, and who listen to them. Um, when they get stressed out, uh, they may check out completely, become more passive, and hide from the stress. And as parents, um, I think that the key with dealing with a child who's a phlegmatic is to realize when you're getting close to their line of will and realize that once they, you push them to it, that they're going to they're gonna be done. They're done. Um, another thing is to really listen to them when they do share and give them respect and emotional support. Um, that's really important to them. I think this was really eye-opening to me for for any for the children I have that uh, I have a lot of outgoing but I have one particular who's quieter and when he does share really just making sure I take the time to really listen and understand what he's communicating I've found he shares the most when we're driving in the car just he and I um and it's really deep stuff I mean we'll go really deep theologically and everything so this would be um Winnie the Pooh himself, I guess, is what the online world tells me. 
Uh, the last group, the popular sanguines. They want to do it the fun way. This would be Tigger. The bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. Um, they'll talk, 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 talk about anything, anytime. They're optimistic. They have a sense of humor. They enjoy people. Their weakness is that they tend to be disorganized. Um, they, but they need your attention and your approval and your acceptance. Uh, they like people who will listen and laugh with them and praise them. If they get stressed, they may go towards eating more. This, I think this is more older. Maybe even the adults eat more, shop more. They may blame others when they get stressed. And as parents of sanguines, we have to watch our criticism, that they're not going to be drawn to the parent who's criticizing them all the time. And this was huge for me because I have a lot of sanguines in my house, and I tend towards the critical, and they tend to run away when I get in that mode. And nobody likes criticism, but particularly the sanguines are kind of like turned off by that. Um, and they want you to listen as parents of sanguines. They want you to really listen to their lots and lots and lots and lots of ideas. Uh, and they want to laugh a lot. So we have to remind ourselves, especially if we tend towards the melancholy, to have fun. Um, Carol Chester shared with us that she grew up in a family of melancholies and she is a sanguine. And she was constantly corrected for being too loud, smiling too much, having too big of a personality. Uh, and I, I do think that's tricky. I think in our home we have a lot of sanguines and maybe a couple of melancholies. And so um, I think it's swinging the other way, making sure we listen to the ones who may not want to just be laughing all the time and really giving them the attention they need. So take a second, really think about... Um, your children. And I will say it's, I mean, that's four types, the whole world into four types. I think we're more complex than that. Um, I think that there's a dominant and kind of a, I want to say recessive, but like a secondary type that you may be, you may be a choleric sanguine, a sanguine choleric, a choleric melancholy, a phlegmatic melancholy. I, Carol said that you can't be both a melancholy and a sanguine. You can't want to get it the right way and be the fun one. And she also said you couldn't be choleric, do it my way, and phlegmatic, um, do it the easy way. Now, I did some research online and found that some uh, PhD level researchers have combined those. And actually when I read their combined descriptions, which I'll put a link to some of those, um, so you can read it because when you combine the two, it does make an interesting uh, description that kind of varies from the four that I just gave. It was a, mine personally was a sanguine melancholy, which seems to be two opposites. But I want to get it all right, and I want to have fun. So I, I, I kind of tend towards both. Um, and then, yeah, she. She said that sanguine phlegmatics tend to be the, uh, like, youth leaders. And I was like, I think that's my husband. But he's a CFO, so that doesn't make sense. Anyway, it's really interesting. I think we just kind of take, learn little things from it. Think about your kids. I, I read one thing that said most kids are sanguines until seven, and that's when more of this temperament comes out. So you may not see 
this until later. But I wanted to spend some time, as you think about who you are and who your kids are, to look at the combinations and things that we need to watch for. If you tend towards the, the choleric side and the do it my way and you like to take charge and you have a child who's also a choleric, one thing Carol advised is to really work on trust, that you are going to be at odds and you need to make sure you realize you're both on the same team. You also, if you come at each other and you want different things, that you may need to have a way to have a cooling down period so you could um, work it out. Um, if you're a cleric parent and you have a sanguine child, the fun one, you need to make sure you allow time for fun. If, if you're more task-oriented, you need to make sure you um, verbalize we're going to work and then we're going to play so that they know the fun's coming. Uh, if you're a choleric parent and you have the phlegmatic child, the easy way, you may need to help them just with how to make decisions. Don't make all their decisions for them, but train them in how to make decisions. And you need to, even though you're going to just want to get things done, using kind words to motivate instead of just demands um, because they won't feel respected and they'll shut down. Uh, if you're a cleric and you have a melancholy child, you also need to use more of a quiet, positive, encouraging approach because they're going to want to do it right. And if they sense at all that you aren't pleased, they're going to shut down too. Now, if you're the melancholy parent, um, you, you're going to, I guess, I guess the description for melancholies is they aren't as encouraging or praising with their words. It doesn't come as naturally. So when you're parenting a choleric, don't wait for it to be done perfectly. And also you'll have to be flexible since you want it done the right way. You're going to have to really give choices with the cholerics because they're going to want to do it their way and you're going to want to do it the right way and you're going to come at odds. Um, if you're the melancholy and you have a sanguine, um, you're actually quite opposite, but you need to make sure they get to have the fun at home so they don't seek it outside of the home. Um, you may need to help them develop their, their discipline in the organization. If you're a melancholy that's very organized, you may need to help your sanguine child with that. Um, maybe it's one time a week you put everything away. Cause I'm, I'm the type that kind of leaves things out and then like, once a week or every two weeks or when we have company, <laughs> I'll put things away, but I'm not like constantly putting stuff away. So you may have a child like that who needs, you know, okay, at this time we put everything away. Um, and um, allow them, this was an interesting tip, allow them to have messiness in some places. Maybe it's like one corner of their room or one closet or one, a desk or a box or something. Have one place where they can just kind of be messy and not feel stressed to always be cleaning up. Um, and realize that they're going to want to learn stuff, not necessarily to learn it perfectly, but to enjoy the process. Uh, if you're a melancholy parent and you have a phlegmatic child, you're going to want to give them lots of praise. I think all of these for the melancholy parent is just using praise words instead of criticisms. Um, I think the phlegmatics are so quiet and easy that they might slip through the cracks. So just giving them the attention they need just because they're easy doesn't mean that they don't need to be heard. And the melancholy parent of the melancholy child, um, you both may be artistic and you need to make sure that that child is picking the art 
of their choice and not just what you are interested in, but what they enjoy. Um, if there's some normal rebellion, don't take it personally. I think that's true for all parents. Uh, and if they're talking through their ideas, really try to understand what they're saying. If you are the easygoing, phlegmatic parent and you have the choleric, strong, do it my way, bossy your child, um, you actually complement each other. But you have to realize since you are the parent, you're going to have to establish control, even though it doesn't come naturally, because they'll take over. Um, and you have to stick with discipline if you say they're going to get a consequence for something, you have to stick to it. Choices again, praise again. Um, if you're a phlegmatic and you have a sanguine child, neither one of you are tend towards organization. So as the parent, wearing your grown-up pants, you have to develop it and then model that for your child. Um, and the sanguine, knowing that you like to go the easy way, may use charm to get out of consequences. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was so Interesting, like they'll just be like, oh, come on, mom. Not, let, me, let me get by with it this time. Oh, I could so see that. Um, so not, you know, staying firm. And then if you're a phlegmatic parent who has a phlegmatic child, y'all may be, just be fine not talking. And so, and, and you may both struggle in self-discipline again. So you might have to be developing that in yourself so that they can have discipline and um, learn from you. If you're a phlegmatic parent with a melancholy child, you'll enjoy being together. But one thing they pointed out was that there might be a lack of communication. The quiet parent doesn't necessarily draw out the child because they're just happy to just be sitting there. But the melancholy child feels misunderstood. So they withdraw more, which discourages the easygoing parent. And so they just give up. So I thought that was really insightful um to know to know that it's not you you're not messing up they're just they just need a little bit more come on tell me tell me no really tell me i'm really interested in like not be distracted by a phone but just really listening and tuning in with them now if you're the popular sanguine parent and you have the choleric child you are going to be the perfect cheerleader your words are going to easily come out with praise and they are going to thrive with all of your praise um, but <laughs> they're going to fight you to get their way, just like every child does. But this, this particular child's going to fight for their way. And if you're a fun parent, you just might want to avoid the conflict altogether and just kind of give in. So you will have to, as the parent, not always be liked by that headstrong child and be okay with that and just keep that boundary enforced. Um, if you're the sanguine and you have a child who's a sanguine, you guys are going to have a lot of fun. I mean, optimistic, zest for life, lots of laughing, but neither of you may be strong in organization. So you may have to both put in an extra effort to kind of get that discipline and responsibility. And then it was interesting. There may be a challenge in the teenage years to not steal the spotlight from your child. I could totally see that. Like you're with the your friend, the friend group, the friends of your kids, and you're like telling the funny line from the movie and all of the friends are laughing and your sanguine child's like a little jealous that you stole the spotlight. Something to look for in the future. Uh, if you're the sanguine and you have the phlegmatic child, you're going to both be relaxed and have an appreciation of wit, but they may not share your excitement level over things. They may... Um, you may be like, isn't this awesome? And they're like, yeah, whatever. And you maybe like 
annoyed that they don't think it's as fun as you do. Um, but they may, and they may need to like kind of have a little retreat if you keep pushing them to go, 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 go. Uh, again, organization tricky for both of you. And then if you have the melancholy child and you're a sanguine, um, you're both going to be creative and artistic, but very different. Um, you can complement each other, uh, but they may, again, not be as bubbly as you. They may be quiet and take, and so you may have to quiet yourself and take some time to listen to them and give them some of their private space and just silence to refuel. It's kind of like the introvert, extrovert thing. Uh, and I'm sure like Myers-Briggs is going gangbusters everywhere and pop culture combined with it. And you can know which Downton Abbey character you are from your Myers-Briggs if you've never looked into Myers-Briggs. That's another way to kind of get to know yourself better and get a good description of how you function. Um, but I hope this has been helpful for you. I know for me, I just always felt like I was being bossed around by my kids. And I thought, am I doing something wrong here that have I not established authority? But I think I have a lot of leaders. Um, I mean, every parent likes to think their kids are leaders, but I, I really think I have a lot of maybe some clerics who want it done their way. And, um, so they're kind of, <laughs> kind of bossing me around. And so I need to realize that taking some of these tips and realizing I do have to kind of stick with the boundary that I've set and not just go the easy way and let them take over. Um, and then just, I think my melancholy side, just not letting that, the, the have to do it the right way, just kind of being more flexible if they want to do it a certain way and it's not a big deal, being flexible in that and having fun and laughing and letting more of my sanguine side come out more often. So if you have any questions or um, you want to talk through it more, always remember you can leave comments at godcenteredmom.com, particularly for this, the blog post corresponding with this podcast. I hope this was helpful to you and to your family and just knowing that God created each of us so uniquely with strengths, with weaknesses, ways that we can rely on him more and develop to be more Christ-like as, um, as we grow in our faith and dependence on him. And I just pray that your family will be able to work as a unit to glorify him and whatever you're doing and to take advantage of each other's strengths uh, to work as a team. All right, y'all have a great day, whatever you're doing. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the God-Centered Mom podcast. I hope you enjoyed our guests as much as I did. And if you're looking for resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. I want you to know that God is just as present at your kitchen sink as your church pew, that he sees your service and he is pleased. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.